Welcome to the Penguin Magic Podcast. I'm your host, Eric Tate. Happy Thanksgiving, everybody. We have a great episode lined up for you. On this week's show, Nick LaCapo and I talk about bringing back The Raven. As a holiday treat, I'm letting a fun interview out of my vault. The main event is my conversation with one of the hottest names in comedy magic, Nick DeFott. We talk about his not-so-secret card work, performing iconic Chris Kenner material, and the finer points of comedy magic. But first, Chicago's Scott Green sat down with me to talk about his Desert Island Magic book. Scott Green, thanks so much for joining me here on the Penguin Magic Podcast for the Desert Island Magic Books uh, segment. And uh, let's say you wash up on a desert island tomorrow and you can only only one magic book walks, washes up with you. And of course, the book is made out of Tyvek, so it's going to last. It's not going to disintegrate on you. Uh, what is your Desert Island Magic Book? My book is Professional Secrets by Jeffrey Durham, who is a British uh, former magician. He's retired from magic now, um, but that is, I think, the most bang for my buck I've had out of any magic book, aside from maybe uh, Ken Weber's uh, Maximum Entertainment. So I'm not familiar with this Professional Secrets book. Uh, can you tell me a little bit more about like what's in it and what it's about? So uh, Jeff- Jeffrey writes about um, his history in magic and how he came into it. There's, there's some theory, um, and then there's maybe a dozen of his routines, some of mm-hmm. which are are practical and some of which aren't as practical, but they're all so well thought out. Mm-hmm. This is you're, you're you're seeing inside the brain of a really smart, talented guy. And what drew me to to Jeffrey in the first place is I saw um, I had I had gotten secondhand um, a uh, Bosa illusion. Okay, and uh, I was trying. Which one is that? The Bosa illusion is it's a portable illusion. It's a it's a saw. It's like a tree saw, like a long handle like in the shape of the letter D mm-hmm. and a blade and you lie someone down and you put the stock over them and you cut through the stock with the bow saw oh. and then when they're done the saw is around their body. Like, okay, you know. so it's a it's like a sawing and half illusion but with a an actual bow saw. Yeah, with a oh, bow saw and gotcha. with a, with an audience member. Yeah. And I was trying to find performances of it and I found this guy, this British guy, and he was you know, kind of how I saw myself. He was a, he was an overweight guy. He was bald. I'm I'm blessed with with gorgeous hair. Yeah, which is one of the reasons this is the last time you're ever going to be interviewed. Here. <laughs> uh, keep going. And and you know, just like you know, you you see him and you think, okay, well, well, you know, this isn't uh, David Copperfield in his prime. This isn't you know Justin Wilman. This guy isn't a he's not a pinup model. Just like I'm not. And so I, I really want to study, like, this guy is successful. What is he doing mm-hmm. that's leading him to be successful? I wanted to do TV work. And, and I was just so impressed with his demeanor and his presentation. He was so likable, even though he was, he was kind of being a jerk a little bit in some of his segments. And, and I, I just I wanted to know everything this guy knew. Mm-hmm. And this book, he talks about, um, he talks about the history of, of his working on TV. He was a panelist on a British game show, and he had to do magic tricks, uh, a different magic trick in every episode he was on. Mm-hmm. And so he had to put together a lot of a lot of content and it really got me thinking about magic on tv which which i've done you know a lot of morning tv work in chicago and other places now about keeping keeping props in frame and how to work you know around your head making sure your head is in the shot Mm -hmm. and and um so anyway so there's a lot of that in there it's the best work i've ever seen printed on the bewildering blocks which is one of my favorite routines when i was trying to figure out what to do with my set of blocks um, his thinking on it, you know, my routine is very different. He'll even teach you how to make a set in the book. Oh wow! Yeah, uh, I did not go to that trouble because it's more work than I can put in. <laughs> there's a there's a routine in there where he shows how to like manufacture the special. It's it's like an egg membrane that you can use a fan to blow into an egg, and it's whoa. It's it's, it's, it's some of it is it. 
it's it's incredible stuff if you have the time and patience to make it. And mm-hmm. and Jeffrey's such a thoughtful guy. He definitely has you know has put in the time and the thought and all these things. But it's just it's it's it'd be a great book to study and reread and reread while I I tried to figure out. Um, how to set it on fire so so people would see me and rescue me. It sounds like one of those books that is sort of equally theory, equal presentation, equal uh, construction, and equal magic. Yeah, which is which is such a rare thing that you find in a book. Yeah, it's it's a little bit of all of that. And if you're someone who's looking to expand professionally in terms of the quality of your magic and the quality of how you present it, mm-hmm. and you know. So much of how you present it has to do with where you're presenting it. So whether you're on mm-hmm. TV or on stage, and it's it's just a book that that you can tell the author has done the work. And even if not everything in the book is for you, seeing the way that that he approaches problems is, is it's so helpful just to 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 try to use those same problem solving techniques mm-hmm. and to, to okay, well he did this this way, and then you agree or you disagree, but you're agreeing or disagreeing with something he actually thinks and has worked on and has used in his show. Um, and and that's I find that's like the most helpful thing is whether you you like or don't like something in magic is getting someone's honest take on it. Someone something someone actually mm-hmm. uses uh, their actual uh, theory. Um, so and, and he's given you that he's given you the real stuff that propelled him to this really cool career uh, over decades and on British television. And what was the name of the book again? It's called Professional Secrets by uh, Jeffrey Durham. That's uh, uh, Jeffrey with a G mm-hmm. and Durham with a D. Um, and it's it's hard to find. I mean, I was lucky enough to find one. Uh, I think I paid a hundred bucks for my copy yeah. at Magic Live. The I just looked online, and the cheapest one I saw on Amazon uh, is like six hundred twenty-five dollars. There might be a cheaper one somewhere else. I don't know. I didn't do a full search. I didn't have to. I've got a copy, yeah. and I sent it to uh, to Jeffrey, and he was kind enough to sign it for me and send it back. He's uh, he's a really nice guy. That's fantastic. Well, thanks so much. That sounds like a fantastic Desert Island Magic book. On to the main course. To say Nick DeFott is one of the hottest names in comedy magic right now would be a vast understatement. Nick and I met up at the Genie Convention, where he performed not only his one-man show, but also hosted the gala along with friend of the podcast, Lucy Darling. One side note, we were recording in a hotel room, so I apologize to regular listeners if the audio quality isn't quite up to our usual standards. Nick DeFott and I had a wide-ranging talk about card gaffing, the Texas trick, as well as developing a train wreck. And now you get to join our conversation. That was a really great show you did yesterday. Thanks so much, man. Thanks for having me. It was a lot of fun uh, seeing you perform like a full one-man show because I've seen you do 20 minutes before sure. at a magic convention, which is fun. But how do you set up your one-man show a little bit differently for uh, for like a magic convention? Uh, I mean, it's it's hard because a magic convention, <laughs> magicians aren't going to react the same way as an audience, as yep. a normal audience. They clap at all the wrong places. And right. Like, that was and, an amazing dub steal. <laughs> right. And they're just sitting there thinking like, I could do that better. Yeah. Uh, but... <laughs> But it, uh, yeah, I mean, I tried to do it as close to, like, the show that I normally would be doing for Mm -hmm. people wherever. Yeah. But there are certain things that I just wasn't going to do for magicians. Oh, yeah, no. As far as, like. Totally makes sense. Yeah. There's definitely, Just me feeling dumb or. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) There's card tricks that I do for lay people that I definitely will not do at a magic convention. Because of just, like, yeah, you know how crisscross wars works. Of course, Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, like in the show yesterday, yeah. I used like a slightly more complicated force than what I would do <laughs> in the normal show. But uh, I wanted to uh, talk to you about something because as 
many of our listeners know you're very funny and hysterical and all kinds of things. Yeah. But uh, I saw you, you talk about this a little bit in the Genie article on uh, about you, mm-hmm. and then oh, you posted on Facebook that you were selling punches. Sure. And I bought one, and it's right. fantastic. Thank but you. You're like a machinist and build like uh, uh, card tools and and things like that. Sure. I think can you talk a little bit about that cuz I don't think totally. a lot of people yeah. know about that about Most you. people don't, I think cuz yeah. probably cuz I don't look the part. I don't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh I don't look like Martin Ash with a big <laughs> collar and yet. gambling bracelet and stuff. Yeah, um, I think is is the the right. keyword I'm working there. on it yeah. someday. Yeah. Goals. Uh but no the my te- one of my teachers growing up in Minnesota was Terry Roses mm-hmm. who did all the Dr. X stuff for Stevens Magic. Oh, okay. so like a line of gambling equipment and gambling related magic stuff. Yeah, uh, and and sold it through them and sold it to private collectors and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Tyler Erickson. I don't know if you, do, do you know Tyler. I'm familiar with Saint Tyler, Paul? but our listeners might not be. So gotcha. maybe. Uh, uh, great magician, close-up guy from St. Paul, mm-hmm. Minnesota. Uh, has some of the best dealing work I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, but he he grew up in Upper Minnesota around Terry, mm-hmm. knew him for forever, moved down to the cities. <clears throat> excuse me. And then uh, uh, I was studying under Tyler. He was giving classes. He still gives classes that are mm-hmm. really great. Um, and then he and I would go up to Duluth to visit Terry mm-hmm. for a couple of years. And then as we started doing that, he would start giving me little jobs to see if I could <laughs> make the stuff and like figure out the different inks and yeah. and how to make it work on different cards and all these little like tests. Mm-hmm. And then over time, I started making the equipment, and mm-hmm. now we're here. Now, so yeah. do you, and you still make the equipment? Uh, you're, you're on self? and off. On I perform off. pretty often, so yeah. I don't. I'm almost never home. I'm I'm in Vegas probably ten percent of the year. Yeah, <laughs> like in my own house. Um, are, are you but, practicing any of the work with this? Like, are you are you just making the punches, or are you able to like deal the punch as well? I still do. Yeah, I still do some dealing stuff. I do most. Like, if I sit down, I just fiddle with shuffle stuff. Okay. Um, like a regular thing that happens probably once a week is Chris Kenner and I sitting down and just shuffling for hours <laughs> <laughs> and doing zeros that we'll never actually do in front of real people, but <laughs> they make us happy because they're weird. <laughs> it's funny the the some of the magicians that I know who are working at these very high levels like the stuff that they really interest them and that they practice yeah. is stuff that they would never do no in their main <laughs> yeah never well it's and plus like with what i with what my actual work is like mm-hmm. doing a stand-up act yeah the, the i think it makes the whole like nick sits around and you know plays with gaff dice and dice switches <laughs> and stupid card moves and stuff even more <laughs> Like non sequitur or whatever. Are you no. telling me right now that you're not going to follow the spoons with an amazing right. show? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was going to do my dice ladder routine after the <laughs> after the spoons bit. Uh, actually, can you uh, can you speak to your relationship with Chris Kenner a little bit? Because I think one of the things that I've only seen you do this twice. Sure. Uh, but the the hook and loop suit for yeah. uh, the so you're you're doing that. You you've mm-hmm. got permission to do it. Kenner's worked with you on it. Yeah. And that's totally. uh, how did how did that come about where you're hanging out with Chris Kenner and then yeah, doing right. his material with his not just express permission but blessing? It's weird. Yeah. yeah. It, it uh super trippy for me because as a kid I saw him do the velcro and I went, "Ooh, that's the I was trying, you know, we all go through that, like, I'm going I'm to be super original and only do my own stuff for yeah. forever and art, art, art yeah. um, phase. And then I saw him do that, and I was like, oh, okay, well, if uh, you know, if there was ever one trick of someone mm-hmm. else's that I really wanted to do, it was that. 
and then I met him through people a few mm-hmm. years later. We started hanging out, and I think that just came up in conversation mm-hmm. that there was this one trick that I thought was really rad. And then years later, we started hanging out more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And then now, <laughs> within I think the last whatever two and a half three years, he gave me uh, all of his material, which is bonkers. <laughs> yeah, that's so, yeah, that is the, kind of bonkers. <laughs> But yeah, it's, so the, it's a I, huge the only, compliment to you because yeah, it's, it, I'm insanely grateful. It's crazy. Yeah. Um, but and it's cool because we're able to take this like we can sit down and take this body of work that he already had that he was already working mm-hmm. tons of shows with David doing the the middle act. Yeah. And then take this set that already worked and w- was successful, mm-hmm. and then take that and bring it even further and bring like the. the one of my openers is a version of the Texas trick that he used to do. Can you describe the Texas trick? Uh, yeah. yeah so, it's so just because our listeners I'm may sure, have yeah. no idea what the Texas trick is. And I think a is. lot of people, for some reason, have never yeah. <laughs> never got to see it, unfortunately. But yeah. uh, big envelope, mm-hmm. and it says the Texas tr- or So big envelope, you see a big envelope, he goes, mm-hmm. uh, ma'am, in the front, you're going to name any state. Mm-hmm. Uh, put a prediction inside this envelope. Uh, don't let me try to influence you. Jokes, jokes, jokes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he ends up turning it around and says the Texas trick. It's actually called the Texas trick. Yeah. Starts doing a Texas accent. Like all this ridiculous stuff. Mm-hmm. Pulls out the prediction from inside the envelope. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, on the back of this is going to be the name of one state. Pulls mm-hmm. the thing out and it's cut out like the shape of Texas. <laughs> uh, and then the woman says Alaska. Yeah. And then he turns around and says Alaska. Yeah. And then there's another gag at the end. But yeah, I mean, so yeah. it's, uh, I'm super tight formulaic yeah. tricks but then we're able to take those and just like we literally sat down in about an hour and a half and cranked out <laughs> what is my current opener from what the Texas trick was mm-hmm. and then over the course of a couple of years the jokes have evolved and mm-hmm. been rewritten by me and uh, there's another guy, John Wing yeah. out of LA stand up yeah. really really great writer um, and yeah and now it is Something that like people who even knew Chris's act do, don't immediately recognize as that kind of as kind of the same thing. If that makes sense. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> interesting because the the first time I saw you do it, I didn't realize it was the Texas trick until right. talking to you afterwards, and you're like, "Yeah, the Texas trick is doing great." It, I can't crazy. remember what you yeah. said, and I was like, "Oh my god, it is." Yeah, it was super weird to me too. But it, I mean, it makes me happy that we he and I can sit down and take something yeah. that was pretty iconic for him mm-hmm. and turn it into something that hopefully feels totally different and in it is you know in different mm-hmm. ways like this is a physical 3d object which we thought mm-hmm. was a really cool um way to approach that from going from the prediction being a flat thing yeah. to being this physical item changing and, and yeah. just weird weird yeah. little things like that but yeah are, are you finding fun. that you're working with other people more and more to create new things because you you sort of you you had this interesting career where you end up working with individuals who yeah. are sort of giants who sort of take you in because your own material is so unique and interesting. Sure. Are you finding that that is that you're putting out better stuff? Not better stuff is the way to put it, but you're you're working with other people and working on some new things that are very interesting. Are you finding sure. that your work is becoming is evolving as you collaborate more and more? Sorry to interrupt, but this week's podcast is brought to you by The Raven. Nick Lacapo stopped in to talk to me about the most visual vanish in history. 
Nick, a few weeks ago, we got to really get to grips on a fun project, bringing a classic uh, back from the past. Uh, you want to talk to uh, the, the listeners a little bit about what we were working on? The Raven, it's classic now. Everybody, <laughs> it's a classic uh, magic trick now, I guess. It's weird because I remember it from our youth, but, mm-hmm. but you know that, that was quite a bit ago. <laughs> <laughs> it's too bad, but uh, man, so much fun. I think I have like sometimes the best job in the world. Where they say, hey, Nick, here's a trick. Uh, we need you to, you know, brush the dust off it and let's, you know, let's make this thing great again. And it didn't take much from me because the Raven's already fantastic. And the, what the Raven is, is a device that allows you to vanish objects. Super clean. Um, you can show your hands empty afterward. It's really, I mean, it's got to be in in the category of one of the most powerful magic tools that you could own. I think what's really cool about this project is that for people who don't own the Raven, there's like the starter kit, the core set that teaches you how to do it. And then for people who already do own the Raven, there's the incredible teaching that you did with it where you took some uh, slights and some some uses that were sort of taught in the original and really put the work in so that you're teaching some really well, great cool yeah, stuff. Like I mentioned, I, I feel like I got the coolest job ever. I mean, this was something that I bought on my own when I was like 19 or something. So, of course, I was thrilled to be able to uh, put the work in and, and teach it well for everybody. But Chuck Leach, uh, the guy that made it, I found some old video of him doing it. And he had some, like, moves on there that I had just never seen before. And I don't think most people had ever seen them. So, you know, a lot of what I'm doing on there came straight from Chuck. And, um, man, just watch the video. I know you're listening to this. Go watch the video. There's some really uh, pretty uh, vanishes on there. And I know we like to keep these quick, but... There is a real importance to uh, having this gimmick these days where a lot of your magic is happening on social media and video and the Raven will just clean so much of your stuff up and just make it impossible looking, yeah. right? You know, this these are tools that professional magicians use on television all the time and you should use it as well. Check out the Raven. That was the Raven, available exclusively at penguinmagic.com. On a side note, it was an honor and a privilege to be a part of the team bringing this classic utility device back to magic. Filming this with Nick was something very special, and I am excited to introduce a new generation of magicians to the Raven. Okay, enough of that. Back to my conversation with Nick DeFott. You're working with other people and working on some new things that are very interesting. Are you finding sure. that your work is becoming, is evolving as you collaborate more and more? Totally. Um, yeah, super lucky to be able to like somehow just like I watch these guys growing up I watch Malika and and, and mm-hmm. Malika and Jonathan and Mac and all these people doing mm-hmm. <clears throat> the stuff that I wanted to be doing through that and through other people helping me too I was able to develop something that they were like oh this is mildly interesting and then help me bring it like it's it's crazy to me to be able to work with these people yeah um super super lucky but yeah I I I approach it with a uh, smaller I, I read a book that George Lois wrote a long time ago uh, I can't remember if it's the big idea or damn mm. good advice for people with talent one of the two yeah but they're great books um, and in it he talks about the theory of like group group or if you have mm-hmm. too many people working on one thing mm-hmm. no one's gonna have a definite opinion of things they're just gonna kind of let it become this muddy <laughs> version of the original concept if that makes sense yeah and so when I approach something like that uh, like the football thing mm-hmm. I only worked on that with 
Chris, and then I went to a right another writer, mm-hmm. <clears throat> and he and I bounced stuff off. So it, it I never like working on stuff with more than it's an, it's a collaborative effort, people. but <clears throat> the individual it's an individual collaboration right. until it needs to move on to mm-hmm. collaborate with somebody else. Right, and it, it, you're you're sort of you sort of reach a moment where you know that it needs to move on to totally w- to work with somebody else, mm-hmm. or just to go out and do it on your own. Like another thing is that I. I work best when I only, um, like some people need an exact script. Some mm-hmm. people go out there with nothing prepared and just they write on stage. And I'm like 70, 30. Yeah. Like I, I need most of the landmark beats laid out. Yeah. So so I like to sit down and write out most of it. But then mm-hmm. things uh, where they're mostly interact- interaction based, mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff ends up getting written on stage with you know, like like in the spoons, a lot of that stuff just happened once, and then mm-hmm. I was like, "Oh, let's make that seven minutes of a train wreck happen every night." You know, yeah. Um, it's but yeah. I think the spoons is a really interesting sort of case study in uh, in comedy magic, where you yes. are taking a, what any other performer would have a very difficult time with, and they would just like throw up their hands and leave the stage, <laughs> and you've turned it into something that works so that this person messing you up is in on it and it makes it cool right because right. Th- there are other ways where them messing it up you could seem like you're bullying them but right for sure you you have this person on your side and make it cool yeah and they because of methods that are being used they know from the beginning that they're in on this thing with the audience and that if they work with me mm-hmm. that they will end up ahead and end up like that it's going to be a positive experience so even if i uh like i mean the the main thing when we when we were sitting down and trying to like work out because mm-hmm. the spoons thing really has like you know five or six different ways of kind of ending mm-hmm. you know like they're going to catch the spoons in the cups but the the guy the, there's kind of a mind map going on where yeah. if he does a then i do b and if he does this then this and the mm-hmm. you know and it and that just got worked out through doing a ton of shows but um, the guy gets let in really early <laughs> on the fact that this is how I interact with friends and that this is a positive thing. Yeah. And so I can be rougher with him and the audience then knows that and he looks like he's having a good time and yeah, it's hard to explain but it's it's because it's barely a trick. Well, it's barely <laughs> it's not a trick. <laughs> it's interesting because it's like a dual reality comedy sketch, if that yeah. makes sense. It's... It, um, I re- I there was one day where I just realized that one of the things that really worked on stage for what like for who I am and and mm-hmm. how I come across on stage is just conflict resolution. So like I mean the spoons is literally 7 or 8 minutes of just conflict resolution. Yeah. It's like, "Oh, you did this wrong. Now we joke with each other about you doing it wrong and now we do it again. Oh, we did it wrong again. Mm-hmm. Now I did it wrong. Or, you know, it's yeah. It's just a bunch of bickering back and forth, which I find <laughs> interesting. Like I was just watching that doc. Uh-huh. It's in the Criterion Collection, I think. There's a documentary just called like the A Married Couple or something, <laughs> yeah. and it's literally. I thought it was a comedy. Yeah. I didn't know it was a documentary. It's just them fighting for two hours. <laughs> watching a marriage crumble and I was like this is mildly, like this is pretty interesting and then I thought about my own show I'm like, kind of like watching a train wreck <laughs> My own show is like watching a marriage crumble. Right? That's- I mean it's, because uh, it was yeah, it was interesting looking at the the kind of formulaic 
uh, I won't say the name, but there's a mm-hmm. lot, like right now, a lot of people are doing a show that feels a lot like the 2006 version of a guy's college show. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yes, I do know what you're talking about. So I felt like I wanted to, so like I walk out and four minutes in, everything goes wrong. Yeah. You know, and, and all the the mm-hmm. bells and whistles go off right away. And mm-hmm. that and that was something that I just wanted to like feel in that space because mm-hmm. everybody was doing the bowling ball floating table Bill and Lemon show. Mm-hmm not ragging on it but it's like i just felt really stale yeah doing like here's this thing and then we interact with the person and so i uh there's an old manuscript with a pseudo hypnosis act Mm -hmm. in it and slowly my whole show has turned into an hour of that pamphlet that i read basically (laughs) if that makes sense like it, uh, it, it it's hard to be specific about it without ruining a bunch of stuff in the show if you yeah. haven't seen it but it it because um, I, I feel like we are very carefully dancing around your mm-hmm. show which is yeah which I think in this case like it's it's something that you I think that's important to do because I think yeah. people need to see your show to understand because I've tried to describe your show to people and they're yeah. just like that sounds like an insane thing like how did he escape from all of that but it's sure. like when you watch it it mm-hmm. it's it's very tight and it's the it's Dang. the best kind of chaos yeah, it's very controlled chaos, yeah. for sure. Like, I've had, um, I did a cruise ship once where the entertainment director at the end of the week was like, yeah, I mean that. For-. So the first show, yeah. the first two shows of the week were the, like, the spoon show, mm-hmm. if you want to call it that, like, the, the thing that we're talking about. Yeah. And then the second show was me just doing 20 minutes of, I think I did half stand-up and, like, a, a juggling trick at the end. Yeah. And, uh... And the entertainment director on the ship was like, hey, man, you know, you really caught your stride in that second show. That first show is a little wobbly. (laughs) And it's because he only watched like 20 minutes of me purposefully, you know, screwing stuff up. And then at the end, like it, it, he thought that I genuinely had the worst show ever and then saved my ass (laughs) by the end of it. And then the second show was this like very safe thing that he understood. So because I don't think a lot of people on cruise ships were bringing on two car dealership blow up guys full of confetti and yeah. <laughs> ruining the theater and having all the sound cues go wrong and like you know it, 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 it yeah i think it your, sh- your show is sense. like the perfect execution of the magician in trouble plot mm. thanks it's i mean no well, it's so, chaotic <laughs> mo- most people take the magician in trouble plot and they go hey look i'm in trouble i'm in trouble i'm in trouble and then they snap right. my fingers and then a miracle happens whereas sure. with you I'm in trouble, I'm in trouble, I'm in trouble, but I don't have powers, so I have to get out of it. So there sure. is, dramatically, the magician trouble plot works the way you're using it, as opposed to most people sure. who are like, I'm so powerful and all magical. There's no, I'm not right. dramatically invested in the way they do it, and if that I, makes and sense. Yeah, and I felt the same way because, yeah, because I went to, there was a lecture that I vividly remember as a kid where, mm-hmm. Uh, this specific magician brought up the magician in trouble plot as mm-hmm. a thing in kid shows and explained it with like, you know, here's the, uh, I don't even like uh, metamorpho spots or whatever the hell. Yeah. And he does a trick and you know, Oh, the silks are the wrong color. And yeah. then he puts them back in the tin and then, you know, the end was just like, Hey, F you, you know, it, or like, the, <laughs> yeah. you know, you look at the card and they name the card and you mm-hmm. act like you digged it up, but oh, we got it right. Yeah. Um, and so it, for me, it just, it was never, I, uh, 
it wasn't my kind of thing. I yeah, <laughs> like yeah. it's not how I I I don't know the, the way that it comes off now. Like my opener mm-hmm. is uh, the the phone number thing mm-hmm. is get the first laugh of the show after the, the stand up stuff is just because I screwed up this big grandiose yeah. thing. So, it, but then in the end, it's not even like, no, I was right. Screw you. Like, you yeah. know, it wasn't the right card. It was still wrong, <laughs> but we got out of it. Yeah. But we're still on the same level. If that makes yeah. sense. Like, it, yeah. it, it, hard to explain. Again, we're just vague, <laughs> vaguely touching bits from the show. Yeah. But, uh, well, uh, Nick, thanks for stopping by the podcast. And, yeah, thanks, uh, man. Th- and everyone needs to go see your show for real oh, to understand thanks. everything that we've talked about because it's, it, it's, it's really. <laughs> I think this was a very good primer. Because this was the most cryptic thing (laughs) they've ever watched in their life. (laughs) That's going to do it for this week's show. Thanks again to Nick DeFott for the great interview, and thanks to you for listening, especially on Thanksgiving. Right about now, the Penguin Magic team is digging into some great food with our families, and we hope that you are doing the same. I know a lot of you have been reaching out to me on Instagram to find out what our Black Friday deals are going to be, and the announcements will be made soon. What you do need to know is that we have a lineup of some very cool physical products and downloads that will be released in the next few weeks, including Flare, which Nick and I are going to talk about on next week's show. There's some really wicked magic on the way this holiday season, and I can't wait for us to share it with you. As always, we're a weekly podcast, so be sure to hit that subscribe button and share some episodes with your favorite magicians. If you want to talk to me about anything you heard on this week's show, you can hit me up on Instagram at Eric Tate. That's at E-R-I-K-T-A-I-T. From me and everyone else here at the P3 Magic Studios, practice, practice, perform. Practice, practice, perform.